0: But where I see the recruitment industry in general is that everyone is kind of aware that there's been a big technological change and therefore big opportunities for us to get more productive, to improve candidate experience, to really use technology in a way that kind of improves our service delivery. That is very exciting, but there's a gap between sort of feeling that this is there and then being able to operationalize it.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome along to another episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. Real pleasure to have you along uh, listening. I, again, and welcome back as we head in towards the autumn and hopefully see a pickup in the markets as companies think about their plan for the rest of the year, particularly in in staffing, of course, traditionally the end of August, beginning of September is the beginning of the, the ramp up uh, to Christmas. Uh, very interested at the REC and what you're seeing in your business right now. If you want to know what's going on across the market, do remember our surveys are out there in terms of more timely data on actual performance rather than the sentiment data from from clients our report on jobs is out on the 8th of September and that will be all of our data on uh, billings in uh, the industry in August. In terms of uh, uh, REC activity do remember that we've got Greg Savage uh, doing a six city tour around the UK later on in September starting in Belfast on the 19th and then in uh, Glasgow, in Birmingham, in Manchester, in Bristol, and finishing in London on the 28th of September. That's with Greg's new uh, book, Recruit the Savage Way. And it's all about how, uh, as a consultant, you can make money in times like these. Really important, I think, to focus in on how we support uh, new and early career consultants who aren't used to markets like this in terms of how they develop their skills. And I know I've, uh, cu- I've uh, I've been through the book myself, I don't know what a showman Greg is. It'd be a really great uh, set of events. We've got over 400 people coming across the country already. Uh, but plenty of space left for me, uh, for members to 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 join us. If you would like to join us for a for a smaller discussion, regional for forums in the east of England on the thirteenth of September, national forum in Scotland on the seventh of September, and I'll be hosting a discussion in London in the southeast on the fourteenth of September. So plenty going on there, as well as all the uh, uh, advice and uh, and. Um, uh, and, and business guidance that we launched back in July both our new tech report which is available online to members and uh, the takeaways from our annual conference in the digital guide all there for you. But what we thought we'd do today is take a bit of a a step back from from all of that and have a bit of a discussion about what we think is going on right now. And I can't think of anyone better to join us on the podcast to have that uh, d- discussion than uh, uh, I was going to say the doyen of recruiting brain
0: food, but the the everything of recruiting brain food. Hung Lee, Hung, how are you? I'm very well, Neil. Thank you for getting me back on the show. Uh, always great chatting with you, man. Yeah, well, you, you know, you're, you're you're such a great guy to
1: kind of have a chat with because you see so much across the. Um, uh, the industry and you know i'm a great reader of uh food on a on, on a sunday morning uh, there's always lots in there that grazes quite widely um across the um uh, across, across the 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 sector um and and of course you're always more amenable to an invite uh, at the moment because newcastle are playing all right
0: <laughs> you know what it's the best ever time to be a newcastle united fan um, and I would say that, including the uh the Keegan era. so um so yeah, fantastic job so far by Eddie Howe. and uh, yeah, it's very, very promising. it's it's looking like um a very competitive team and uh, and yeah,' looking forward to seeing uh, how it how the how it all plays out this year. great stuff. um and uh,
1: I think the Many people have a a soft spot for Newcastle in their hearts, going back to that Keegan Keegan era. So uh, I think it'll be an inter- interesting season. But let's get back onto uh, onto track. I think you, know, i mentioned in the intro today that we've just launched a bit of work on you know how digital changes. Um, Oh, REC members, recruiters, market, um, and a lot of that is about kind of not getting too dazzled by the the, the kind of headlines about, you know, what uh, uh, gen- general artificial intelligence might do in five or six years time and getting people focused on, you know, what are you doing with your data? How are you managing your data lake? How are you um, uh, putting better journeys in place for candidates and clients? What are you seeing in terms of the influence of some of this stuff around the development of digital platforms, development of social media and different outreach phase in terms of how recruiters and TA professionals are finding new and different ways to run their operations?
0: Yeah, you know what, it's one of these, Neil, where I think the, the Gartner hype cycle curve is actually quite an uh, an effective description of how technology interfaces with the, the work of recruiting. Um, so, you know, for the folks who are not quite in, uh, familiar with what this curve looks like, um, it basically is, you know, a, a northeast line that goes up when people are thinking about the hype um, it plateaus um, uh, at a, at a at a certain point. um and then there's a trough of kind of disillusionments. you know people then realize, oh my goodness, why is this not making this transformation? It was promised to me? Um and a bunch of people then go ahead and abandon things and go back to business as they knew before. Um, but then it kind of beds in, and we can kind of have another upward curve where we become more productive and we finally get it. um and then it becomes a normal part of the way in which we operate. Um, so I think this sequence of uh, this uh, class of technologies, generative AI, let's say, uh, over the last 12 months or so, uh, probably is, is, is has had the, the hype uh, moment. Um, and it's kind of moving into a little bit of the trough of disillusionment in the sense, you know, we've seen a lot of people not really be able to operationalize it. Um, but I do believe that that is just a normal way in which technology gets adopted Um, and pretty soon we're going to start using a lot of this technology as default um, and it will be uh, truly embedded in a lot of the technologies that we need to use anyway. Um, You know, for instance, uh, you look at LinkedIn, there probably isn't anybody listening to this podcast that hasn't fired up LinkedIn today. Um, uh, You know, it's a default app that we open. We obviously use it, critically important for us as recruiters um and uh, and pretty soon we're starting to see kind of ai features happening in linkedin um only yesterday i noticed uh when i was posting a message or posting uh, a public post um ai kind of suggested do i want to use ai composer a linkedin should i say suggested do i want to use a an ai generated template um so if i had pressed play on that presumably um i would have uh sort of received some decent copy, I would then go ahead and edit. So uh, the bottom line is recruiters will end up using AI even without intent because um, it will be embedded in a lot of the tools that we need to, to do our jobs in any case. Um, so I think that's where we're at with this class of technologies right now. So there's a couple of
1: ways in which tech will inject itself into recruitment businesses, into recruiters' lives, and there's kind of the user experience you, know, you talk about LinkedIn there. you talk about you know, you know whatever Twitter Stoke X becomes in its uh, in its next generation under musk. Um, you talk about particularly in the blue collar field uh, uh, site, uh, um areas like Facebook, where you know there's still a lot of activity in terms of candidate sourcing there. And and thinking about you know what's the next generation of for businesses like jobs boards where they are definitely going to need to evolve, but that you you run alongside that then some some kind of big stuff about um what do I need to buy as a recruiter for my business? I you know we point out i a healthcare in the REC Tech report and its growth in the states based on an integral platform. Um, it it feels to me like there's a challenge here which is there's real potential for businesses who invest in the right way and i think that probably is step by step slowly with a clear sense of direction you know avoiding that kind of hype cycle uh panic and then retreat um which is very much similar to my attitude to scotland at the rugby world cup i currently think <laughs> we're going to win it in about three weeks time i think we're going to uh, we'll probably not win a game um i the i think the But I think there's a a kind of piece here about confidence amongst recruitment and TA professionals with um, technology that says, yes, we are going to have to change, but we can be the masters of our own destiny a bit and, and, and force ourselves to kind of make decisions which are a bit uncomfortable, but actually probably leave us more in control of our direction of travel than if we
0: sit back and just pretend it's not happening. Is that fair? Um, There is a sense that, um, you know, the sense of anxiety, AI anxiety, I think is definitely a true, uh, a a, a true phenomena. Um, You know, no one is uh, who's played with these technologies, feels entirely comfortable with them, either in terms of our own competence in using it, um and also in terms of the implications of the technology because it seems uh, uh you know to be able to do a lot of things that you know are quite remarkable um so I think that the, the ways in which um business owners recruitment business owners need to think about it is um number one uh, we need to get through that sense of anxiety understand that's very normal but not have it drive or not have it suppress our experimentation with it um I think it's very important for us to, to just dive in um you know, much like Uh, You know, 2000, when the internet first came around, late 90s to early 2000s, for instance, imagine you were a recruitment agency at the time and, you know, you you managed to crash through um, the anxiety at that time and just said, right, we are literally going to understand how this works and see how it might improve our business. Um, You're going to put yourself months, if not years, ahead of your competition if you did that. Um, and I think we're probably at a similar moment now. So it will reward those organisations that you know plunge forward, um, and uh, and there will soon be you know useful uh, services and tools that will help guide us there. Um, Uh, I read a report the other day, I think from PwC, which uh, stated that something like 80 plus percent of businesses uh, surveyed by them um, uh, wanted to get involved a little bit more in AI, wanted to operationalize uh, artificial intelligence in their business, but didn't know where to start. Um, and that lack of, you know, where to start just paralysed them, and they couldn't move forward. Um, well, guess what? There's going to be people and services that'll crop up to say, "Here's how you start," um, and those types of services, I think, will emerge as a mini industry, um, and we'll, we'll get uh, we'll get those companies um, uh, moving forward uh, with support. So, so yeah, I think we're going to do it. It's uh, it's a little bit of a case where, you know, the fortune will favour the brave on this. Um, ones that plunge ahead, I think, will have a chance at securing um, a competitive advantage.
1: I think that's right, and I, I think the you know the challenge in in recruitment and TA is you're never short of potential suppliers. Um, one of the issues for firms will be working out kind of strategically which suppliers are the right suppliers for you, mm-hmm. and and you know which bits you're know, leaving aside the hype. Um, which bits um, offer real competitive advantage in terms of transforming. Candidate and client experience is something that keeps coming back through through our work with uh, recruitment businesses, which is how do we not make consultants marginally more productive of what they do now? How do we focus on making our candidate and client experience massively better so that Mm. we have that competitive advantage? There's something there uh, for recruitment business owners in terms of thinking about uh, what knowledge do I need internally to know which suppliers are the ones I want to work with? And how do I hold my nerve um, in terms of making some decisions about where I think this is going and and ignoring the hype cycle to a certain degree? That's both not getting distracted by stuff that's a couple of years ago away or three or four or five years away in terms of adoption, um, but also making um making sure that we're confident that we're going to land what we are doing well and it's just moving us forward step by step you know data automation ai general ai um there's something the the there's a lot to be said for doing you know a few key things really really well in this space it's not actually it's not that uh, it but it's, it's not that un- analogous to the discussion we were having before we started recording this about companies attitude to work for work from home you know there's there's something here where you do have to make an uncomfortable call as a business owner as a business leader now about what you can't do everything so what tech feels most critical and there i think it is i think it is about kind of finding the time to to raise the head from the week to week and month to month, which is really difficult in any recruitment business, um, to think about next year, the year after, the year after, and what's the long-term uh, term uh, term play. That's actually one of the reasons why I like uh, BrainFood, because I think BrainFood plays an important role for recruiters and for recruitment agency owners in terms of um, lifting the eyes to the horizon a little bit. Um, speaking of which, you know the community is a is a sizable and a global one. What what are you getting from the the brain food community in terms of interest in all of this and
0: and where next? I think the interest level is very high, Neil. Um, uh, it's it's associated with the sense of anxiety. I think so. There's a hunger for it. Um, uh, they where I see the recruitment industry in general is that um everyone is kind of aware that there's been a big technological change and therefore big opportunities for us um uh, to get more productive to improve candidate experience to to, to really use technology in, a, in in a in a way that kind of improves our, our service delivery um that is very exciting um uh, but there's a, there's a gap between sort of sort of uh, feeling that this is there and then being able to operationalize it um, so in other words, how do we actually embed this into the way in which we work? And that obviously requires um, you know, some, some reworking of uh, all processes. Um, it requires change. This is old school change management, if you like. Um, and that is often a painful thing to do. Um, it's difficult to change um, behaviors that had uh, previously provided you with some degree of success. Um, and so um this is part of what you know uh, leaders have to do. It's part of the responsibility of leadership um, uh, exactly to you know lift their heads up from the operational day to day and think, okay, from six uh, uh, six months, twelve months, eighteen months down the road, where do we want to be as a business? Um you know where what what kind of uh, reputation do we want to have in the marketplace for our candidates, for instance? Um, uh, how do we want to sort of conduct our sales? Um, those types of uh, questions, um, uh, technology can certainly support you to do a lot of those things. And it's up to the leaders, I guess, to um, uh, uh, to think carefully about um, managing uh, the day to day needs of the business, but also ensuring that the company is well positioned for you know this this competitive future that they, that that's going to be there. Um, it's it's an interesting challenge. It's part of the job, though. You know, I don't think it's exceptional. Mm. This is what leaders are meant to do.
1: Yeah, look, I think that's absolutely right. You know, it's not about just running the engine and tuning it up occasionally. Sometimes you need new parts, um, and that you know that's a big theme for us at the REC. And we were talking about technologies and uh, as a people change as well. You know, Mm -hmm. if you look at if you look at kind of the array of CRM developments, for instance, in, in the industry, the success or failure in any recruitment business of the adoption of a CRM is about people's adaptation to it, people's adoption of it, their use of it, and their understand understanding of these are change management processes that involve changing the human skills and the human inputs, as well as the technology skills and technology inputs. And that is a really tough leadership job for, for people doing. It takes time and focus. So couldn't agree with you more on, on that. There's, there's something there about um, thinking about Technology is not something that your back office buys and introduces for the use of your front office, but being something that is critical to the 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 structure and design of your organisation and needs to be walked alongside with the people stuff. You know, at the moment we are getting, um, and this is one of those moments where, you know, I hope people are listening and have that kind of ding of, oh, well, I'm not alone on this. We are getting a lot of discussion from members about commission structures for uh, for uh, uh, for consultants, because obviously their people's incomes have been under pressure. Basic pay has gone up quite a bit in the sector, but the market's slowing, so commission isn't coming through in the same sort of way. So there's a bit mm. of pressure there, being driven by the economy, but there's also pressure there, being driven by you know the the kind of commission structures that have you know in large part have sort of been gently on the way out for three three to five years, encourage a kind of They they often encourage quite a lone wolf approach to, you know, getting your numbers across the line. And if a lot of your automation stuff is being delivered by uh, a lot of your process stuff is being delivered by automation um, and a lot of your service level is being delivered by people, where it is about that consultative sale, that discussion with the client about what they really want in a tight market. Because even though the economy is slow, the labour market in lots of Western economies, especially the UK, is still super tight, um, perhaps away from, from IT, which has been weaker uh, across the cycle this year. Um, I think that requires a different approach to how you engage and reward people. So there's a, there's a big piece here about... As a mature professional services sector, it absolutely is about the opportunities that are out there for tech. But that when you go back to your hype cycle, that point of disillusionment is about have we supported the what we're trying to achieve with everything else we're doing in the business? And that feels to me like the the thing that, you know, leaders in the in the sector should be thinking long and hard about right now.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting, um, particularly on the compensation aspect of it. Um, it, it. It's the old school way that recruiters have been rewarded uh, and motivated uh, has has been extremely resilient. You know, the pay on delivery, the uh, high commission, low base um, and, and kind of individual targeted, targeting and individual uh, compensation. Um, I think that's basically been the default. Uh, I'm sure most people who uh, are listening to the podcast probably would say, actually, you know, this would be quite an interesting uh, data point. I wonder whether someone like REC might have that information. Um, you know, To what degree... Um, uh, what percentage of recruitment businesses are structured in that classical way uh, mm-hmm. compared to you know what percentage of companies are doing things like you know team based commission or you know uh, a slightly different ways to, to reward people with you know candidate NPS scores or what, whatever it might be that feeds into um, a, a compensation calculator at some point um, so, but I, I would guess, uh, if that data is not available, I would guess that the vast majority is still based on the classical way. Um, and, and of course that drives certain behaviors, um, which are, are, are plus and minus, um, you know, depending on context. So, um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see, uh, what that evolution, whether we're at, if you like, uh, an evolutionary point in terms of how, uh, those rewards are being structured, um, but definitely want to keep an eye on, um, for sure.
1: Yeah, we haven't done a REM survey in a little while, and uh, your suggestion make me think it would be timely to 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 do one. So I'm going to answer that with some anecdata data rather than some survey data. But my experience traveling around the country, you know, I tend to do kind of round tables with sort of twenty or so REC members at a time when I'm when, when I'm traveling around because that's a big enough group to have a variety of experience and a good discussion, but a small enough group that everyone gets. Uh, uh, gets to pitch in and take away things that are important to their business. Uh, Subtext, uh, Scotland on the 7th of September, East of England on the 13th and London on the 14th, if uh, uh, going back to the top of the the podcast. Um, What I would say is in almost every one of those sessions, there are one or two or more businesses that are doing things differently to that classical model. Mm-hmm. But almost everyone else at the table is doing things in the classical way. What's interesting is the ones who are who have de- the ones who haven't departed from the traditional model, the individualized compensation model, are interested in why, what, and wherefore uh, from the two or three who have changed. So I think mm-hmm. there's some I think there's some impetus, but it hasn't shifted yet. would be my would be my gut. but yeah, certainly something to look at. Um, I'm really interested in the dynamics of compensation for recruitment generally um, and obviously partially because I'm a massive labour market nerd. Um, But, uh, you know, inflation does, you know, a a period of inflation will push up base pay. It always will. Um, And if you think about the real growth of our industry, the last period of substantially high inflation for long periods before this last year was in the early 90s. I think the labor market and our industry looked radically different 30 years ago mm-hmm. um so I, I I do wonder whether partially there's a reset based on the fact that the low base high commission structure isn't quite as sustainable but I also think there's a reset based on uh the skills that the that the really good consultant needs is are probably a different set now than when you were dealing with a super loose labour market and this uh, uh, and what you were really doing was matching well. Because re- realistically, you know, my favourite stat, I'm sure you've heard it before, which is 50% more babies were born in 1964 than 1977. Realistically, the driver of tightness in British labour market is demographic. Um, and so it's going to be with us for a decade at least.
0: Yeah, I mean demographics. I think is starting to become uh, more mainstream as a as a, as a as a conversational topic. Uh, marginal for a long time, but I think we're all becoming a little bit more aware that you know the fertility rate in 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 a lot of uh, economically uh, developed that there seems to be um, a kind of a relationship um, between uh, economic uh, development and uh, reduction of fertility rate. Um, uh, and, and so that creates, you know, we talk about talent pipelining, that creates a long-term talent pipeline problem. Um, and of course, we've plugged that um, with uh, immigration of the last couple of decades. Um, I'm just uh, reading now, actually, uh, on the, not to say I'm not paying attention, Neil, but I, as you were talking, um, I, I ended up looking at some, uh, uh, there's been a release just today on Twitter um, from I think it was ONS, was it? Um, yeah, yeah. No, There's
1: never no, no, no immigration numbers.
0: Yeah, it was actually Home Office immigration statistics published, um, and uh, UK of course um, desperate for workers of certain types, um, and uh, it, it's been ticking up at uh, uh, at very predictable rates, particularly healthcare, skilled worker. Um, you know those types of areas where we've really had a long-term uh, candidate shortage. Um, So so it's one thing to really, um, I think recruiters intimately understand this, uh, which is um, sector-specific labor uh, conditions um, are very, very apparent. Certain uh, types of roles um, are no longer, uh, uh, let's say, attractive. To local workers or native workers, if you like, um, and they've long been we've long been reliant on immigrant labour to try and fill those positions. Um, and without sort of access to uh, uh, easy labour, we're going to have to try and come up with new uh, new plans. So, so yeah, absolutely. The uh, the big picture for uh, immigration, according to the Home Office stats, um, is that it is there's a lot of people coming in on the special uh, sort of uh, route. Um, which is, you know, uh, I think the, the, the government kind of seems to periodically create sort of these rules to say, actually, we need more, you know, farmers. Oh, actually, we need more of this type of uh, this type of role. Um, and, uh, and and that is, you know, one, uh, I guess, method of trying to solve the demographic problem, which, as you say, is the root cause of, uh, of the issue.
1: Yeah, and I think this, it's a bit like the tech, isn't it? The, the, there's challenge and opportunity for uh, for recruiters here. I mean, I quite often quote what Neil Morrison of the HRD at Seven Trent said to me once, which is, you know, the most important thing for any recruitment business right now is don't tell me it's hard. I know it's hard. That's why I want to pay you. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so in a, in a tight labour market, there's a whole range of things that, you know, we've talked about recruiters being a bit more strategic about their own business. Clients are learning that they need to take the people stuff more seriously across, you know, what are we going to buy and try and hire ourselves? What are we going to grow? What are we going to borrow and what are we going to replace with technology? Yeah, and yeah. and you know, for, for recruitment businesses, if you can get into that thought cycle of pain and amelioration for your clients with the right skill set amongst your consultants, particularly your senior consultants who are going to be operating at that senior level, and there is huge pay dart there in terms of um, a different re- a relationship with your client and an ability to do more and we you know we we were talking a few weeks ago with uh, Paul Sharp and Miles Lloyd on the podcast about uh, the trend towards more businesses wanting a deeper relationship so whether you call it mini msp or mini rpo or whatever wanting a deeper relationship with their talent suppliers if you can get into that world um it's it's it, and it is strongly linked to the discussion we we're having earlier on tech that feels to me like it's a really good sweet spot for any uh, recruitment business with a niche or a specialism or any scale to to exist in so I'm I'm kind of fundamentally optimistic about you know what the tightness of the labor market means for the sector especially if that then feeds through in kind of our campaigning work to a decent discussion about how you drive growth in uh, a country like the UK where you know driving growth through growing the size of the labor force is not going to be an option for a few years.
0: Yeah, I mean I mean you can be a pessimist on the economy but also a pos- uh, like a, a an optimist for the recruitment industry. Um I think one of the things with regards to recruiting is of course that it it's often countercyclical. Mm -hmm. Um, And oftentimes, um, uh, the existence of agencies are there because, you know, we're plugging gaps that then emerge as a result of different things occurring. Um, So, uh, so yeah, absolutely. I think recruiters are very uh, naturally agile as as businesses uh, and they should be able to adapt to different conditions. Um, On the note about sort of getting closer to the customer, I think that opportunity is open wide. Um, And one thing that is true, um, you know, the shift to remote, I think, has really collapsed the distinction um, between the types of recruiter that exist out there as far as the end customer is concerned. Um, uh, You know, back in the day, um, uh, there would be very sharp distinction between agency supplier and embedded recruiter or RPO um, principally because the RPO person would be sitting in your office. Um, uh, But if you're now kind of working in a remote first type scenario, which I think a lot of uh, recruitment agencies, if you supply RPO type services uh, would be doing, um, then there may not be uh, any calls or a, 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 even an opportunity to sit in-house with a, with a, with a customer. And so your delivery is, is going to be 100% digital, in which case, um, I think that opens the door for a lot of uh, um, uh, pure play recruitment agencies to step fully into that marketplace. Um, it could be, in fact, that it just becomes a different way to provide a service um, to um, a an employer who may have the choice to say, Look, yeah, sure. I just want to, uh, you know, fairly hands-off uh, agency supply. Can you do that? Just you know, provide new shortlist, um, or you know, maybe you pay a premium and you get someone who's coming in a, a one step closer to you and, and operating uh, with, as a strategic support function, um, helping you do some process redesign, helping you to, you know, improve capacity in different ways. Um, so I think agencies, I think will will see that opportunity and embrace it, um, and it should lead to a healthier ecosystem because. Uh, from the employer's point of view, the buyer's point of view, they should get more choice and you know more full service supplies, if you like. Um, you know, that can provide a variety of uh, uh, of services based on uh, need and cost.
1: You see, I love an optimistic place to leave it, hung, and that is an optimistic place. Um, I, I, I think that piece around focusing on the opportunity and being clear-sighted mm-hmm. about some of the tough decisions we might need to make to get there um feels really important to to any recruiter and of course one of the less tough decisions for any recruiters to sign up to Brainfood. um so we, which people can do uh recruiting what's next in the in the growth of the brain
0: food empire oh there's no empire Neil. um i'm always kind of thinking about how i can support the industry as best i can um and, and this is not altruism by the way this is me just like enjoying the idea of doing it um but also i can see that there is positive, uh, uh, It seems to be a win-win-win when those things happen. So, you know, one of the things I've been very enthusiastic about this year is is, uh, diving into the in-person event space a bit more and encouraging more of those events to revive. Um, I think it is super important for uh, recruiters. Uh, whatever the the sort of style of recruiter you are to yeah. to go and meet others in person in industry, go to events, conferences, and so forth. Um, even though you know uh, you may think in your own mind, you know what? That's me taking a day out from sales or me not doing this that or the other. That is true, but uh, what you will uh, kind of the compensation for that is really the opportunity to expand your 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 mind um and get uh, sort of more information. Uh, available to you. Um, when you're looking at a kind of a unpredictable market, I think the worst thing you can do is shoot yourself off from available sources of information. Um, so go out there, go meet your peers, go and meet colleagues, go and meet people face to face, in person, in events. Um, and I think it will provide not only inspiration, but it will also equip you with more information that you can then make uh, better decisions to exploit the opportunities that are there. Spot on, and uh, you know Greg Savage around the country, six dates in
1: September. Hint, hint, to everyone. Um, I, I'm also taking that as a yes to the incoming invite to the the RSC's return to in-person conferencing next year. So, uh, I would love out. to be there look out for that in the in the in the inbox um hung it's been a real pleasure to have you on the on the podcast let's uh stay in touch like you i just think this is a fascinating industry and what i really like is the level of positivity there is about the future of the industry and the kind of the maturity there there is about kind of head shoulders back head up you know we believe in what we're doing now uh, that maybe Ten years ago, it was a little bit more. Everyone holding their cards close to their chest, and and you've played a big role in that. So thanks for joining us today.
0: My pleasure, Neil. And just a final sort of send off for me. I highly recommend seeing Greg Savage in person if you have the chance. Go ahead and take that. And I didn't pay him anything for that.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> best of luck to Newcastle this season um, and I think uh, it does look like you're, you're you're in for a good one enjoy the Champions League j- uh, journey we're recording this on the morning where uh, the mighty heart of Midlothian have a playoff game for the Conference League tonight so I'm beginning to get slightly nervous about that uh, thanks for joining us on this episode of the podcast Every, uh, everyone delighted to have you along if you've enjoyed this chat with Hung why not try one of our other recent episodes great discussion linked to some of what we've been uh, Uh, discussing today in episode 16 with Emily Summerhaze of Hoop Recruitment about uh, the professional service recruiter and what that means in terms of skill and approach um, and a little bit of a feel about kind of you know how that changes other bits of your business including the reward piece in that discussion or episode 15 where we looked at some of the more immediate changes you can make to your business. Uh, with uh, with technology, with uh, Neil Curry of Target Recruit, so a couple of uh, interesting ones to follow up if you've not quite sated your podcast uh, desire just yet. Thank you again for joining us today, and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon on another episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC Podcast. Thank you for listening today. I hope you took away some valuable thoughts from this discussion. If you'd like to hear more head to rec.uk.com forward slash Talking Recruitment or follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Simply search Talking Recruitment to find us.